Today's episode of the Creative Sheet Podcast is brought to you by Renewed Vision, the creators of ProPresenter. For over 17 years, ProPresenter has been used by churches all over the world for lyric and scripture presentations, audio and video playback, environmental projection, and a lot more, Jared. You know, Roman, I would say that ProPresenter is the creme de la creme. It is the creme de la creme. If you're looking for something to uh, play video slides, uh, audio files, it's it's really versatile. You can probably use it for things that I don't even know you can use You can use throw those lyrics up on the screen for those for those amazing worship sets that you're doing through Absolutely. ProPresenter. If you're playing a game in a kid's classroom, you can use these, you can like make a game board, you can use props. It's can, incredible. It's, it's uh, really amazing. Um, ProPresenter is used by over 95% of outreach magazines, 100 largest, fastest growing, and most influential churches. It's available on both Mac and Windows, so it's very versatile. Uh, very versatile. So head over to RenewedVision.com and check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Kindred.com. Kindred.com partners with local churches everywhere to make smart giving a possibility with a simple tap, click, or text. It's a beautifully simple concept. Yeah, I love the ability to give with my phone because it allows me to be generous even when I don't have cash or checks on me because, let's be honest, I never have cash or checks on me. With Kindred.com, it takes that element completely out of the equation and it unlocks the generosity in your people by making it as convenient as possible to give. Here's how it works. If you want to give by text, you simply send a text and the first time they reply with a secure link to register. After that first time, all you have to do is text the amount you want to give and you'll receive a confirmation. Kindred.com also allows you to embed a smart giving button on any page of your website and you can set up scheduled gifts to occur weekly, bi-weekly, or on a monthly basis. So it's really user-friendly for the people in your church and it also works on the back end as well. With their powerful tracking system and fast end-of-day transfers, Kindred works hard to make it just as easy on churches as it is for their givers. To find out more about how Kindred can help you and your church, visit kindred.com and unlock generosity in your church. For our listeners only, enter the code SHEEP at checkout for your first month free. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 2017 edition of the Leadership Podcast. That's right, I said it, the Leadership Podcast, presented to you by Creative Sheep. Roman, we changed the name we of the podcast. We flipped the script on everybody. We did yeah. it. <laughs> why, did we, why did we, as you say, flip that script? Well, here's the thing. We wanted our name to reflect what, what we actually talk about uh, the majority of the time, what we do, and it's no secret, Jared. Cats out of the bag. This is a leadership podcast. That's true. It's true. In fact, our tagline, if you've listened for any amount of time, our tagline here on the Leadership Podcast, formerly the Creative Sheet Podcast, is simply this. We talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. So this is this has really been a leadership podcast since the beginning. And so we just kind of, you know, took the the leadership and we took the the creative sheep and then we just smashed the two together. We we forged them on a fire of of excellence. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of caught me off guard with that one. So we uh, we just we wanted to eliminate any confusion as to what this what this uh, podcast is about. Uh, Absolutely. Forward. Absolutely. And so, like Roman said, we are now the Leadership Podcast. So, Leadership as of January first, 2017, January first, twenty seventeen, we are now the Leadership Podcast, presented to you by Creative Sheep. Tell your Just friends. Wanna, tell your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your wives. <laughs> 
we, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much, you guys and gals out there listening. We appreciate it. And hey, if you're getting value out of this, you know, up until this point, we've had 46 episodes. This is episode uh, 47, 47. Oh, I, hope the right. I hope that's right. I hope that's right. It is. It is. This is episode 47. We've got an incredible interview for you today. And we're going to keep this thing going. As you guys know, we're going weekly now. So this podcast is a weekly podcast. So if you're out there listening and you're liking what you're hearing, go ahead and hit subscribe. That way it's delivered directly to your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever device you're listening to. Um, Every single Monday, we'll be releasing a new episode and you can get access to that simply by subscribing. Leave a review if you don't mind and then share it. Share it on social media, send an email, maybe send up a smoke signal if you would. Let somebody know. Jared, uh, sorry, I hate to interrupt you. I have to. I have to recognize the elephant in the room. Okay. Uh, you and I are thousands of miles apart currently. We are very long ways apart. <laughs> Formerly, we were recording together in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but right now we're recording via FaceTime. You are still in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I am. But I but am you're not. not. I am no longer. Some of you may have heard on some other podcast interviews that I've done, or maybe even right here on uh, what is now the Leadership Podcast. Uh, I now live in the Boston, Massachusetts area, a long ways away, and uh, we're keeping this thing going. So if That's you're right. wondering, is 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 Creative Sheep going away? Roman, is Creative Sheep going away? That's a great question, Jared. The answer is absolutely no. Darn absolutely right. no. We're not going to let thousands of miles stop us because... Uh, with technology, anything's possible these days. That is the truth. We are not going to let anything. In fact, we're 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 creating more momentum Boom. by going to a weekly format now that we live further apart. Yeah. And so we had an incredible journey. Roman actually drove up here with me in a Penske truck. Uh, it was incredibly uncomfortable, but totally <laughs> worth it. It really, really was. But it was a two day journey. It was an incredible journey. We talked a lot about this podcast actually on the journey. Um, and uh, Roman, made some thank plans, you. made some schemes. We did, we did, we did. So that's what we've got going on right now. You're you're listening to the the Leadership Podcast. We're going weekly, and Roman and I are thousands of miles apart, but that's not going <laughs> to stop us. Uh, just to recap, real quick, <laughs> that's absolutely uh, true. We've had so much to cover here in this this uh, first part of the the episode, Roman. We need to move on. Once again, this we, is we episode forty seven, and Roman, I can I I just I'm elated to talk about uh, our interview, our guest for today. Uh, I, got, I had the privilege of interviewing Devon Franklin, and you may be Hold wondering on. who is this Devon Franklin. I've heard Roman? that name before. Please unpack it. So, Roman Devon Franklin, he's he's a kind of a big deal. He's a big deal. He, he lives out in Hollywood, the Beverly Hills area. Uh, he has worked with, uh, he interned for, you may have heard of this guy, Will Smith. Will what? Smith, as in bad boys, as in getting jiggy with it, as in the Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel-Air. I feel like the ones you started with there aren't the best representation of his career as a whole. <laughs> I know. That's uh, so awesome. As in, as in the pursuit of happiness. Men in, in black. Men in black. As we in all know I who Will Legend. Smith is. We all know. We, yes. So Devon no, has worked yeah. has worked with Will, also with James Lasseter, who produced I Robot, Pursuit of Happiness, and I Am Legend. Great movies. Uh, Devon has been interviewed by Oprah. That's right, Oprah Winfrey. Not once, but two different times. He's married to the lovely Megan Good. Devon has just had an incredible career. He's still a fairly young young individual. Hangs out with people like Tyler Perry. Does work with the great Bishop T.D. Jakes. Uh, yes, Devon is just an incredible individual. I don't even think he's cracked 40 yet at the time of this recording. And he is a high-ranking executive in Hollywood, in the entertainment industry. 
Jared, well, I mean, I'm, it, I'm hearing a lot of a lot of accolades here. Um, yes, but w- what's this guy all about? Why are we having him on the on the uh, leadership podcast now? You know, we invited him on the show because Devon has done some amazing things in in a a dark part of the world, and I, I don't say that to be ugly towards Hollywood or anything like that. But let's just be honest: Hollywood typically is not a God honoring place. But Devon right. has kept his faith. His first book, in fact, is called "Produced by Faith." He's, his second book is called The Weight, and he talks about him, how him and the lovely Megan Good, and we talk about this a little bit in the interview, but they actually waited to have sex until they were married in Hollywood, where That's sex impressive. is glorified. Yes. So everyone knows about his faith, and he's going to talk about it in his story as in our interview today, and it's just a phenomenal conversation. This guy's story is amazing, and so he actually is the CEO of his own entertainment company that was financed by Sony, but is now actually, he, he recently took a new deal with 20th Century Fox, um, and the guy is just killing it. And it, it, just talking to him, it feels like he's still just getting started. He's had some incredible success already. I'm confident that he's just going to continue to do more. But we chose Devon for our kickoff interview for the first of the year just to, to get you fired up, to get you motivated, and to give you some practical application to get you going for the beginning of 2017. So, Roman, I think without further ado, let's get to our interview with Devon Franklin. Well, Devon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've, I, man, I've been so pumped uh, gearing up for this interview and getting to chat with you. Thanks for being here. Oh, Jared, man, thanks for having me. I know we've been talking about doing this for some time, and I'm grateful it's finally happened. So <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah, well, hey, let's dive right in here. Uh, you, sir, have a pretty incredible story. Uh, you're working in Hollywood right now. You've worked with some big names on some big projects with some big companies. And that's probably saying the word big too many times there in one sentence. <laughs> um, but, you know, Devon, why don't you take us kind of on the journey, if you will? Uh, I, I even love, if you don't mind, take us back to when you were a kid and and kind of what the church was telling you uh, about working in Hollywood, even as you were a kid, if you would just kind of sure. take us on the journey to how you got where you are today. Yes, yes. You know, I grew up in the uh, uh, Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area in, in Northern California. And, you know, from a young kid, you know, grew up in the church, was in church every single weekend. Uh, you know, it almost felt like we were in church more than school sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You know, we would be on time for church. We would be late for school, but church you could not be late for. Um, and so, you know, my mother raised my brothers and I, and, and I was always really passionate about church. Um, but I was also passionate about Hollywood. I remember at a very, very young age, uh, you know, always wanting to, you know, be a part of entertainment, you know, the television shows that I would watch and the movies that I would see. I was just completely mystified and and, and enamored and really um, intrigued, so to speak, by what I was seeing. And I was just really curious about, well, how does that get made? And what's the world behind the world? And so those were the things that really motivated me as a kid to want to pursue a career in entertainment. And as I began to express that to people, you know, especially in the church, I mean, that was not a popular thing. And that was not really met necessarily with open arms. Mm. Many times people, you know, as we've all heard in the church, you know, when you look at Hollywood, most people even today, you know, would say Hollywood is Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the devil's playground. And for me as a kid, you know, I just said, well, you know, how do we you know that God isn't calling me to that business? How do we know God isn't calling me to that field uh, to do his work? 
And sometimes I feel like, you know, in, in the Christian culture, as much as we're supposed to be a culture of faith, uh, we, we become a culture of fear because inherent in their um, admonition for me to not go into entertainment, inherent in that was fear, mm. because they were afraid. Well, if you go to entertainment, you're going to lose your faith. You know, is God going to be able to keep you? Are you going to be wowed by the red carpet and the lights and all the bells and whistles that Hollywood provides? Will those be more attractive to you than a relationship with Jesus Christ? And for me, you know, as a kid growing up and as I wrestled with that, you know, I really, I mean, I'm the kid that really literally believed what I was taught in the, about the Bible. It's like, okay, I can do all things, and I do walk by faith, not by sight. And, okay, if this is what God said we're supposed to do, that means we're supposed to do it. Uh, and even to this day, you know, some people get on me, oh, you know, you're so strict. And, you know, and I'm like, well, look, I, I'm just living by what the Word says. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to say, but that's what it says we're supposed to do. So long story short, after, you know, just following what I believe God wanted me to do, I uh, ended up uh, going to Los Angeles, you know, this uh, where Hollywood resides. And I went to the University of Southern California, and I majored in business, I minored in film. And my freshman year, I got an internship for, uh, I got an internship interview to go interview at the company that managed Will Smith. Now, the interesting thing about this is that you know, I, I had never worked in Hollywood. I was excited about getting uh, an opportunity, and so I went into the internship interview and when I first sat down, you know, it, it didn't go very well because I had printed out my picture uh, on the resume and I ended up sending that in. And uh, she she didn't like that too much. The person I was interviewing with, she was like, this isn't a modeling agency and some people won't hire you wow. <laughs> depending on how you look. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. And so anyway, we got into the conversation and she said, well, why do you want to be in entertainment? And I said, you know, I want to be in entertainment to make change. And at first she thought I wanted to make money. She's like, oh, you want to make money? I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, that's fine. Uh, but no, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about changing the world. I said, because I believe that if I am a part of this industry and I can make content, then I can absolutely change the world. And that was uh, my motivation. And, and quite frankly, that's still my motivation today. And so that really changed the conversation. And by the time we got to the end of the conversation, we had a good rapport. And um, it felt like I was going to get the internship. And then she asked me a question. She said, well, is there anything else you want me to know? And, you know, part of my faith growing up was observing the Sabbath. So, you know, I wouldn't go to school dances. I wouldn't do basketball games. You know, we would take time off with the family and go to church and just really take that as a day of rest. So Friday night sundown, Saturday night sundown, I didn't work. So in this interview, she's asking me, is there anything else I want you to know? And then it was like God was telling me, well, tell her about the Sabbath. And I'm like, well, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'll tell her about the Sabbath after I get this internship. Because why in the world would you want me to you know, tell her about something that's going to prevent me from getting a job? And, and in that moment, though, the thing that really became clear to me was, do I believe in God or not? Do I trust him at his word or not? And if I do, then I shouldn't be afraid to stand for what he's calling me to believe in and stand for. I should actually be more emboldened because the more that I'm bold and I stand for him, then the more I have evidence of what he is in and what he's not. Mm. So in that moment, I said, uh, here's the thing. I said, I observe the Sabbath. So if, if you need me to work on that day, unfortunately, I will not be able to take the internship. 
And she didn't know what to do with that for a moment. <laughs> she was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And then after a moment of silence, she said, don't worry, we can work around that. And, and that was when I was like 18 years old. I got the internship. And what God was telling me, he was like, you know, if you want to see if I'm making a way for you in Hollywood, then you must honor me. Don't, don't shortcut me. Don't hide me. Don't put me in your backpack. Don't put me in your back pocket. Put me front and center where people know who I am through you, and you will see where I am in this business and maybe where I don't want you to be. So long story short, I interned for the company that managed Will Smith. I did that for uh, two years, and then Will Smith started his own production company with his uh, manager and producing partner, James Lasseter. And so uh, they started that company in my junior year, and that company is called uh, Overbrook Entertainment. And so I went there and I interned there my junior and senior year. And then when I graduated, I became James Lasseter's second assistant. And I did that for close to two years. And then it got to the point where while I was there, I was there for about a a year and they had promised me a promotion because I had been with them for so long. They had promised me that I would get promoted to become uh, a junior executive in the film department. And uh, after about a year in that first year, they end up uh, firing the entire film department and they oh. brought in one person to run that division. Yeah, they did doing a lot of uh, rearranging and changing things around. And, um, in that moment I was like, you know, blown away and I was shocked. And what, what I also realized was that, well, if they're making those kind of changes in the film division, there's no way that, uh, they're going to honor, you know, my promotion and, um, you know, months passed by and, you know, I felt like I was in a dead end job and, you know, I really got depressed and, and angry and frustrated because I didn't know where God was. I didn't know what he was doing. And I just thought, Lord, you know, I've sacrificed already so much. I mean, even when I was in college, I never went home during the summer. I stayed in Los Angeles to, to work. There were some summers I worked three jobs just to make ends meet. Wow. Uh, you know, why others would go out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one summer I worked at the Gap. I worked at the dean's office at the USC film school and I did my internship, uh, which was unpaid at the time. And, you know, the thing that I kept saying to God is like, well, look, I've sacrificed. I thought you were in this. And, you know, I thought this was going to work out and doesn't like it's going to. And months and months went by being depressed, angry and frustrated until one day uh, I went into my cubicle in the morning and I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. So I went in the bathroom stall. I shut the door and me and God had a really aggressive conversation. And I just said to him, I said, Lord, you said anything I asked for in the name of Jesus, you would do. So right now, standing on your word, and I'm asking you right now to move on this job in the name of Jesus. And I said, if your word is true, then you have to show up today. And I I left the stall and just said, okay, God, let's see. And what was fascinating is that later on that day, he did show up. Uh, My boss ended up calling me into his office later on that night. And he said, you know, Will and I, we love you. You're fantastic. But we're going to we're, you know, we're gonna have to help you find a new job. And, uh, and I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, on one side, I was like super happy. But on the other side, I was like, wait a minute. Y'all want to help me find a new job? That's not a good thing. <laughs> um, that means my job's not going to be mine much longer. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, Lord, he answered my prayer. I should have prayed a more specific prayer. Yeah, he did something. <laughs> Um, and so I ended up walking out of the office. I made a list of everyone I knew. I went on interview after interview, no job. Uh, I went to Will. I said, Will, you know, if you could get me hooked up with your, your, um, your agents, your agents are the most powerful in Hollywood. And I know if they got behind me, I could get a job. He did that. 
I went and uh, met with his agents. They sent me on interviews, no job. And it got to the point where I was like, I don't know what to do. And I heard a sermon by T.D. Jakes, you know, it was all about how you have to turn the page in life. And so it really spoke to me because I felt like I was at the end of a chapter and I had to have the faith to, to step out and turn the page to the next chapter where God's promises were still good. And so uh, I went in, quit my job, put in a two-week notice and said, you know, I'm going to turn the page and believe that God has a new job and I'm not going to try to hold on to this job while reaching for the next one. Mm. And they said, well, why are you leaving? I said, because I'm, I can't be afraid to try faith. I mean, I can't tell you about faith if I'm afraid to try it is what I said. Yeah. And they were, they were like, Whoa, okay. All right, man. Well, we don't, okay. Just fill out the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, the first week went by and the thing that God did, you know, again, this, this whole journey, you know, and this is why I'm taking a little bit more detail to tell the story for those that are listening is because sometimes we view our career pursuits as professional endeavors, not spiritual endeavors. But our career pursuit is as much a spiritual endeavor as when we pray or go to church. And it's really important to see God in the in the threads of, you know, your career and how he's trying to, he is as much concerned about who we become in the world as he is about who we are in the church. Mm. And I think sometimes in our culture, we miss that. You know, we miss it. It's like, oh, what you do in the world, oh, sometimes we think that's irrelevant. But hey, as long as you're an elder in the church, as long as you're co- committed to the church, that's a good thing. And I think that those things are great, yet he wants to be put on display. When you read the Bible, God is always using his people. He uses his people not only so that they benefit, but that he gets the glory and he can be put on display. And what better way for him to be displayed than through his children excelling in the careers that they were designed and created for? So for me, learning that this was a spiritual journey really hit me like a a rock because at the end of this first week when I was going through my two-week notice, uh, God brought me to my knees. Because this whole time, I'd only prayed for a job and prayed for a thing. I, I was only saying, God, give me what's in your hand. I wasn't praying for his hand. And yeah. that revelation for me was was very powerful. And so the second week of my two-week notice, I just said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to stop praying for the job. I'm going to pray for your hand. I'm going to pray for your will. I'm going to pray that you would show me who you want me to be and what you want me to do. And I'm going to stop just treating you like a Coke machine. Uh, stop treating you like, you know, a genie, you know, you just rub a magic lamp and you get a wish. I'm going to stop doing that. You're God. You're almighty. You're all powerful. Let me honor that with wanting you more than I want the thing that you can provide. And I fasted that second week, uh, you know, of, of my, of my two week notice and I left, you know, I quit and people said, you're committing career suicide. You know, you're quitting working for Will Smith, biggest movie star in the world. His company's one of the biggest production companies in the world. You don't have another job. Why would you do this? I said, cause I believe in God and I trust he has a plan. And Monday, which was my first day of unemployment. Cause I left on a Friday, first day of unemployment by the end of the day, true story. Uh, another production company called me and they offered me the same executive position that I was promised at Will's company. And that God was just showing me that if you just trust me, you take me at my word, I'm going to show you things that you never thought were possible. So I went to that production company. I was there for a year and a half. MGM called, which is, you know, the, the, the studio behind James Bond franchise. And they said, we've heard about you. We'd love to interview you for a job. 
I went in, I interviewed, I got the job and became uh, an executive uh, at that studio. Six months into being there, they ended up selling the company. And I said, wow, God, you have a funny sense of humor here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they were selling the company and everybody was going to get laid off and, and paid out of their contracts. So uh, the, the company ended up selling to Sony. And at the 11th hour, um, I just said, Lord, I just believe that you have a job for me at Sony because I don't believe you brought me to MGM just so that I could get uh, become an employee. And so uh, at true story, the 11th hour after the company got sold to Sony, the chairman, of, the then chairman of Sony, Amy Pascal, uh, sent me a message. Now, mind you, I never interviewed with Amy. I had never sat down with her. I never even made my request known to her that I wanted a job. Uh, and I got a message from her, and she said, Devon, do not look for a job. You have one when the deal is, is finalized. And wow. I was one of two executives out of thousands of MGM's exec- of executives, only one of two to make the transition uh, to Sony slash Columbia Pictures. And uh, the irony is that when I started there back in 2005, after the deal closed, uh, Sony slash Columbia Pictures, uh, it funds Will's company. Mm. And so they make, you know, they've made all of his movies, pretty much all of his movies from Bad Boys to Men in Black, uh, you know, uh, Hitch. All those were Sony slash Columbia Pictures movies. And so when I get there, being a studio executive now, you know, I go from being the former intern and assistant who, quote unquote, committed career suicide mm-hmm. to now being the executive to then being the executive that worked on most of his films. So it was quite an ironic twist, uh, and it was totally hilarious, and Will was so cool about it. He's like, oh, so now i got to listen to your notes. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, while I was there, I worked on Pursuit of Happiness and Seven Pounds and uh, Pink Panther 2 and, um, you know, Not Easily Broken and Karate Kid and Jumping the Broom and, and uh, ultimately Heaven is for Real. And while I was there... You know, God was revealing to me that there were many things that he wanted to do in my life beyond just being an executive. And that's why I wrote my first book, Produced by Faith, while I was there, a book about how you don't have to compromise what you believe to find uh, success. And then after the success of Heaven is for Real, uh, I, I knew it was time for me to start my own company. And two days after the movie opened, we made the movie for $15 million. It made close to $30 million in the first five days of its opening. Wow. And again, people thought I was crazy. They said, Devon, you know, you, you, you're you a studio executive that makes big movies. Why would you, you know, want to pigeonhole yourself by making this little movie of faith? You know, you don't want to be known as a faith guy. And I said, no, I actually do. Because to me, anything I do for God is not small. It's not a pigeonhole. It's an honor. It's it, Anything God does is big. You may see it, uh, you know, as small. But to me, I see it as big. And so... Uh, it, it ultimately proved to be very big after making that $30 million in five days. Wow. And two days after the movie opened, I went into the chairman's office at the time, Amy Pascal, and I quit. I told her, hey, it's time for me to go. I said, I got to go. I got to start my own company. It's time for me to start Franklin Entertainment. And I said, but I want you all to fund it. And she was like, okay, okay. She's like, you know what? Fine. You will do it, but you can't go anywhere. You have to stay here and make movies for us. And I said, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. And uh, we negotiated that deal, and um, the first movie I did underneath that deal was Miracles from Heaven, which came out this year with Jennifer Garner and Queen Latifah. And then 
through the process of making that film, Amy ended up uh, losing her job due to the Sony hack. And um, I just felt like God was calling me to make another move, which was to leave Sony. And uh, just about a month ago, I officially left Sony and brought my deal over to 20th Century Fox. So that is the the long and you know somewhat abbreviated <laughs> version of how I got from uh, from there to here. Yeah. So your story in 20 minutes right there, that's pretty incredible. But holy cow, I feel like I was just sitting here like drinking through a fire hose <laughs> for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> that, holy cow, Devon, that is incredible. There's a few things I want to jump in on this, and this was not part of our script today, folks. But there is so much good stuff in there, so much rich content that I, I can't pass it up. So one thing I noticed in your story is that you have a habit and a history of going against the grain that you've got people telling yeah. you uh, that you shouldn't, you couldn't, you wouldn't, this would be stupid, this would be career suicide, all the way back to when you were a kid, when the people in the church were telling you, and I'm sure with the purest of motives, motives that their heart was right in telling you this, but even still telling you you can't go to Hollywood. Then you're working for Will right. Smith, and this is the Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like you said, <laughs> bad boys, right. getting jiggy with it. This is the Will Smith. I don't know why my references for Will Smith are stuck in the 90s, but that's where they are. But anyhow, <laughs> the Will Smith. You worked on the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, oh, which is just you, incredible. Too. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, Chris Gardner's story is unbelievable. Anyhow, so you, you're there, you're, you decide it's time to go, partly because they tell you they don't have a job for you anymore, and people are telling you, right. hey, this is going to be career suicide. I, I mean, it, did you ever have a time in any of these moments where you just felt like, I got to give up? These people are right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I actually never, I never had that moment. I never had that moment of saying, I got to give up these people. Never, never. And I'm, and I'm not saying that because I'm less than human. There, there have been moments in my career where I've had difficult times, where I wasn't sure what God was doing. Even being at Sony, you know, when I was an executive, there were many days where I was like, oh God, you know, show me who you are and where you are and what you want me to do. But when it has come to making moves that I believe that he was calling me to make, those are the times when I have, you know, not doubted and trusted because also, you know, I think that any of us, right, if we really take the time to get outside of just our day-to-day in our job for a moment, you can look at the landscape of your job, of your career, of your field, and you can get a sense practically where the field is going, where the company is going, how the division is moving. And you can begin to see, you know, is currently what I'm doing going to have long legs at this company or short legs? Mm. And for me, when I was looking at making moves, part of it was not only just spiritual, but it was practical. I looked at the landscape of the company. I looked at how things were changing. And, you know, I made assessments that, oh, you know, well, what I'm doing here and how I'm doing it, if I don't make a move now while I have the equity, while I have the ability to do it on my terms, then I'm going to be subject to a situation where it will be on their terms. And so those moments were not moments that I had fear uh, or I thought, oh, you know, conventional wisdom is correct. It was actually the opposite because in Hollywood, no matter if you have faith or not, and I believe this is the case of any business, business especially honors the maverick, honors the person that's bold, Mm. honors the risk taker. 
no risk, no reward. So you have to be a risk taker uh, in your life if you ever want to see a return on who you are and what you believe you're called to do. Wow. We're only about halfway through this conversation, and I swear if I had a hanky right now, I'd be waving that thing all over this room I'm sitting in. <laughs> this is incredible, incredible. Hilarious. You were You were talking earlier, too, about how um, about kind of the, 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 the difference of the ministry in the marketplace. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday where Carrie Newhoff was talking about how, uh, oftentimes we over-spiritualize what happens in the church and we under-spiritualize what happens in the marketplace. And then I heard, Rick, right. I heard Rick Warren say that he was talking along the same lines and he was talking about how, uh, in the end, it's not about where you work or what you're doing, because oftentimes God is more concerned with who you're becoming than what you're doing. And that in our calling, mm-hmm. that that is so vital. And I love that you're, you're, you're jumping right in on that. You're pulling on my heartstrings right now, man. I get fired up about that stuff. And I just, I <laughs> wow. love it. I love it that you're, you're talking about this, that it's not about being a church deacon. That's not like, That's you're right. talking about how the marketplace is just as spiritual as the church. And it's so true. I mean, Colossians talks about how do everything is unto the Lord. You've got the parable of the talents in the Bible. The Bible has a ton to say about work. And so... Right. Sunday, the church so true. is just a catalyst for what should be happening. The church is not a, a place. The church is a people that you come together on Sunday as a rallying point to go out and spread the gospel. And that's what people like you are doing, Devon. Thank you so much. And this seriously, this is so good. I'm 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 about ready to do a <laughs> dance in here right now. This is Let's so good. <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, so, so you seriously, just some amazing stuff here. And I love to, I want to jump in on this of how, when you left Will Smith's company, um, and I love it that you're just having conversations with Will Smith. Like it's no big deal for you. It's probably not for (laughs) somebody like me. Big Will is, you know, that's like, that's like uncle Will, big brother. You know (laughs) what I mean? He's he's the He's, you could talk, I could talk about anything. He's pretty amazing. I must say. That's awesome. And, and, but I love how in your story that in leaving his company, people are telling you yet again, Hey, Devon, this is going to be career suicide. And then lo and behold, God takes it full circle to where you're the one providing notes on the movie. And now Will's coming to you and say, okay, I got to listen to the notes you're going to give. How amazing (laughs) is that? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It really is. That's just show you how God works, you know? It's so amazing. It's so amazing. And I love through your story how your first bet is always on God, but then it seems to be a close second for you is that you believe in yourself. You bet heavily on yourself. Have to. to. I mean, and I think that this is one of the things that, um, you know, my next book is going to be called The Hollywood Commandments, a, uh, a, a spiritual guide to secular success. And because so much of what I've learned about God, I have not learned in the church. I've learned it by working in Hollywood and by putting God to the test and seeing how he shows up and, and, and what he does. And part of God, what I've seen him show up, is us needing to have a stronger belief in who he created us to be. Mm. And and sometimes to see what happens is that, you know, and, and, there's, and it's not it's not by... Um, it's not malicious how this happens, but my my uh, you know observation is that what happens in the church sometimes is that you know it's like in the Bible. Of course, there are many texts about humility and you know our righteousness being like filthy rags, and all of those things are absolutely correct as it relates to never getting to a point where we take too much ownership. 
to the degree that we don't acknowledge not only who God is, but we don't allow him to do what he wants to do, right? But I think sometimes the teaching of that, that mentality, without understanding what our call is, sometimes diminishes our, how we look at ourselves and how we take authority in our own life. And so here's what I mean. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. We do have to get up in the morning and believe that we are confident and that we are great at what we do and that God has called us to great things and he's given us the ability and we should absolutely believe in that ability and we should test that ability and we should feel good about feeling like, you know what, I am the best in my field. I have a tremendous amount of offer to offer. I am valuable. I do make this team more valuable. Those are things that even as believers, we got to own. And you can still do it with acknowledging that, yes, I am mighty because of who I serve. I am mighty because of what he put in me. It all goes back to him. But sometimes we want to acknowledge him, but we don't want to acknowledge us. And in order to be successful, you've got to be confident. Even it's like, listen, in, in the world, whether you're right or wrong, if you're confident, you're going to get further than the person that's not. So when you're a believer, you got to be confident about who you are and who you were created to be and also confident in your skill set. You know, I, I, it's like I counsel so many people who are in business and, and, you know, young professionals that are trying to make it. And I tell them, like, look, you got to get your mind right. You got to get prepared for success. You got to get up in the morning. You got to look at yourself and you got to see who you already are. You may not be the CEO in title yet, but if God has ordained it, then you're already the CEO. So you got to get up. You got to act like it. You got to believe like it. You got to talk like it. You got to associate like it. You have to really believe in your, in yourself and who God created you to be. And so to your point for me, you know, if I don't believe in myself, who else is going to? Mm. Man. Nobody. <laughs> so it first starts with believing in God, and it second um, it starts with me knowing who he, who he's created me to be. Kali, so, so good. Devon, just know you have an open mic here on the Creative Sheep Podcast anytime you want it. This is so, <laughs> Thank <you>. so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Good grief. This is so amazing. You know, I, we're definitely going to jump further into uh, one thing Please, you said yeah. right there. You talked about getting your mind right, and we're going to jump in on that here in just just a moment. But one other thing I want to jump back to in your story that I don't, I don't know that you fully touched on just yet, but if I, if I remember in a video or an article I was reading or watching about you, uh, when you interned for Will Smith's company, you did this for free. Is that right? Yeah, I, I was an unpaid intern for the first year. And then after the first year, they liked me so much that um, they started paying me. Wow. Now, with that, I, I want to point something out there because it can be easy in today's culture to think that um, I, I think a lot of young people, they want to get ahead. They've got that drive, but they at times want, will skip opportunities like this because it's unpaid, because they feel like they should be getting paid for their services. And uh, Ryan Tedder, the, the lead singer of One Republic, um, who he's got all kinds of crazy fame and, and fortune now as well, he... He did a similar thing. He interned for Timbaland for free. I mean, these are guys, mm-hmm. Timbaland, Will Smith, these are multimillionaires, right. and you're interning for them for free. Why on earth would you do that? <laughs> Why on earth? Because, first of all, as an, as an intern, uh, until you've proven yourself, you have no value. Mm. So when you talk about payment or you talk about salary, 
usually, you know, when you look at your salary, that is a value assessment. Mm. So when you look at, okay, well, you know, I'm getting paid X amount of dollars. Okay. Understand that in most, in most instances, the company is making a value judgment about how much value you are worth or what you generate. So as an intern, you, you don't have any skills. You don't have any experience. So your value will only get to the point where someone wants to pay you once you've proven it. And when you're, and also, you know, part of success, there's a weeding out process. How bad do you want it? Mm. And I've never seen anyone become successful without sacrifice ever. Man. And so not being paid is not trying to devalue someone or take advantage of them. It's actually giving that person a chance to build the foundation that their success will rest upon for the, the duration of their career. Because what happens is when you aren't getting paid, you make an assessment. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Is this opportunity worth it? Who am I working for? And then when you go in and you work, you have to work like you believe this could be the last opportunity you have. And I think in this millennial generation, you know, again, I don't know all the psychology uh, behind why these millennials are the way they are, but I can tell you what works in life and what doesn't. And if you have never created value for someone and you expect to be compensated for value you haven't created, you're going to find it very hard to be successful in life. And so the reason why, you know, a Timberland or a Will Smith, you know, at that time, quote unquote, didn't pay, it's, again, it's not about taking advantage. It's about setting up a system that will weed out those who really don't want it so that those that do and who are really built for it will be the ones that ultimately rise through the system and rise to the top. And, you know, in my experience, you know, I wasn't upset that I wasn't paid. I was just grateful for the opportunity just to be able to, let, let me, let me say something. I own my own company right now. You know, I have a deal with 20th Century Fox. I'm making movies. I'm making television. I started 20 years ago. Do you realize that the company I have now is directly related to the unpaid internship 20 years ago? Wow. Directly related. Directly related. Do you realize, like, you know, my relationship with Will Smith and how that's helped my career and what that has done for me? I would have never had it if I stood on ceremony and said, oh, no, you guys have to pay me. It wow. would have never happened. And so I'm a big proponent of, of internships, and I'm a big proponent of, of unpaid in internships. You know, and, and the thing that was great about the unpaid internship is that it was only for a time. Once they realized that, hey, you're great and, and you're doing good work and we want you here, then they began to compensate me for the value that I was creating. Man, it, that is so good. You're singing, again, you're, you're singing my language right now. This is incredible. Uh, and young people, I hope you're listening to this. If you're out there just getting started in ministry or the marketplace, either one, don't miss out on opportunities like this. Like Devon was just saying, he just said, folks, that his deal with 20th, 20th Century Fox, that that deal he has for his own business to stand on its own legs is in a direct correlation to the unpaid internship that he took 20 years ago. That is incredible. So don't devalue those things. Just because you're not getting paid doesn't mean value is not being added to your life. Don't overlook right. those opportunities. That's so, so good. So we're, we're actually, we're kind of coming to a close on time here. So there, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and we'll actually link. Yeah, yeah, whatever you got. We'll link in our show notes 
over at creativesheep.org, um, uh, some of the talks that you've done, the talk you did about, uh, comparing your life to a movie, the development phase and the production phase. We'll link to the TED Talk that you did about that uh, so that we can uh, get that in front of our listeners. But what I want to do right now is you hit this phrase just a moment ago about uh, when you you consult, when you coach uh, these young people and in their careers, one of the things you talk about is getting your mind right. And I would go ahead and correlate that to that comes down to discipline. That if you can discipline yeah, yourself and all of that starts in your thinking, um, that you can do just about anything. And there's a quote about this by someone way smarter than I am, um, and I don't even remember exactly what it was. But what I want to do right now is, is Devon, for you to be able to give us just some practical tips on um, staying motivated and, and, and being disciplined. So let's jump in at first, and, and I know this is kind of a broad, broad question here, but Mm-hmm. You're you've been in the business now for 20 years. You've done you've worked yeah. with some amazing people, some amazing organizations. Um and it seems as though you're just getting started. That your business right. is, is just getting started and that you're you're about to explode even further than anything you've done up until this point and make no mistake about it, you've clearly had some success up until this point. Um and I think yeah. I even saw you've been interviewed by Oprah. Uh, you and your wife, yeah. and as well as you personally, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you yeah, you've, yeah, two you, interviews with Oprah. That's incredible. You've done uh, some masterclass stuff with Oprah. You've done uh, you've done work with TD Jakes, the great bishop. Uh, you, yep. You've done some unbelievable things for you and someone on the outside looking in. How do you stay motivated? How do you stay keeping <laughs> moving forward? with all of this success, with all of this going on at a point where I'm guessing you could probably throw in the towel and be good for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. But see, but that, but that, that, okay. So I answered by answering what you just said. See, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't live in that reality of like, Oh, good for the rest of my life at all. Mm. I mean, you know, let, let me tell you something. The reason one of the things I do to stay disciplined and motivated you mentioned a little bit of it when you're talking about Oprah and, and T.D. Jakes and, you know, Will Smith and Tyler Perry. I mean, these are people that God has blessed me to be able to have a relationship with. But you, you want to be depressed really quick? Just go hang out with them. Because <laughs> when you think about how well you're doing and then you see what God is doing to them, you're like, okay, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Like, am I not believing enough? Like, I mean, seriously. So I, I, I say that jokingly, but that's motivation. It's motivation to, you know, understand, okay, wait, these are people that are, that have influenced the world. And yes, while I've done a lot of great things, I don't think I've made maximum impact yet in this world. Mm. And I want to make maximum impact. I want to, you know, impact the culture in a positive way. And I'm not there yet. I believe I'm on my way. I see how God is making a way, but I don't feel like I've arrived yet. And so, and I don't feel like I've done everything God is calling me to do. I'm doing it every day, but there's more. And so that, hunger for more and that desire and that and that belief that there is more I'm supposed to do, that keeps me hungry. That keeps me disciplined. That keeps me fired up. You know, and the other thing for you to talk about uh, practical tips, in order to, you know, achieve your destiny, you have to have discipline. Uh, it's impossible to, you know, harness the fullness of who God created us to be without employing rigorous discipline in our life. You know, even when you look at Samson, it's like here is Samson, you know, power with no discipline and look at what ultimately happens. But when you look at a Joseph who had the discipline to not compromise along the way, to continue to believe in the dream and to go along with the process, what ultimately happened was not only the fulfillment of the dream, 
But once he was fulfilled, he was actually able to handle the dream once it actually arrived. And so part of discipline is one, being hungry, you know, two, being persistent, Three, you know, you have to continue to be consistent. This is where we lose it. We, you know, we're at the end of 2016, going into 2017. Everybody's getting ready to make these New Year's resolutions. But the problem is, it's not about the new year. It's about the new you. What's the new you going to do in the new year? Mm. And is the new you going to be more consistent than you were the last year? Because we make the resolutions and we don't keep them. So if you want to be successful, you got to be consistent. And, and for me, one of the other things is, you know, I stay in the gym, I work out because what God has called me to do requires a lot of mental energy. And if I'm not physically capable of, of harnessing that energy mentally, then I'm not going to be as successful. So I take care of the temple, you know, I work out, I make that a big part of what I do because I don't want to be in a place where I can't actually fulfill the call because I don't have the health to do it. Uh, and the other thing that, that is really important, you know, to really being disciplined is to really ask yourself, who am I? Where am I going? What am I supposed to be doing? And once you get those answers, who are the people in my field that are the leaders? What are they doing? Let me research. Let me study. Let me read. Let me listen to podcasts. Let me immerse myself in wherever it is I'm supposed to be so that I become an expert in my field and I just don't sit back and rest on my laurels. And the same goes for ministry. If you're in ministry, you know, what am I doing? How am I reaching people? You know, what can I do to make sure that our ministry is getting the people where they never have got, gotten before. If you're in business, you know, don't just approach your jobs like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, here pushing papers. No, don't do that. No. If you're there, that means God has you there. Well, how are you going to maximize that time? How are you going to get the most out of that time? Because you have to treat where you are like what you want it to be. And that's why, you know, in the Bible, it says, hey, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because God is in the small things as much as he's in the big things. And so part of that discipline is, is not allowing, you know, and there were many times when I was at work and when I was in, you know, at Sony Pictures and, and in staff meetings and stuff, and I would hear other people talk negatively. I would not let that negative thought become how I lived. I would just say, you know what? I believe God has a plan. I don't know how he's going to make a way. You know, there were times where I was a younger executive and I didn't see how God was going to open up a room for me. But I just said, you know what? I'm just going to keep believing and I'm going to keep trusting. And now there were some times when you do that and you don't see it and emotionally it's hard to deal with. There were many days, you know, where I would cry, where I would, you know, go before God and say, Lord, I don't understand this. But those were not excuses to do less than what was required of me. So even in the struggle, you got to stay faithful. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. Because what I can tell you is that the more you push and the more you challenge yourself to be every single thing God created you to be, you're going to see the benefit of that type of approach to your life. And I have no doubt you're going to be happier. You're going to have more peace and you're going to actually make a greater contribution 
to not only your church, your community, and your home, but also the people you work with, because you're going to wake up and you're going to be energized, because you're going to start having this discipline, you're going to see God honor it, and that's going to be, I'm telling you, there's no greater motivator than to see God honor the sacrifice and the discipline we put in. And then when we see Him honor it, it makes us that much more energized to do whatever else we have to do to keep going and to become where He wants to become who He wants us to be and to to get where He wants us to go. Wow. Hopefully you're taking notes on this. Pull over to the side of the road, stop mowing the yard, get off the treadmill, and write this stuff (laughs) down. Uh, Take note, put this into action, folks. Knowledge without application is meaningless, is what Thomas Edison says. Make sure to apply. Devon, we we are coming to a close here, and so I want to finish with this question. You've been in the industry for quite some time, done some amazing things. Looking back over your career, if you could go back to 20-year-old Devon, what would you tell him? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I, I would tell him, um, you know, don't worry. It's all going to work out. Uh, relax, uh, enjoy, have some more fun. And, um, you know, don't be afraid you know, to be, uh, you know, everything that God called you to be. And just relax because at 20 years old, you know, I, I just wanted to go conquer the world and, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's also like, you know, you also have to have a posture of, okay, I'm doing what I can do. And then I'm trusting God to do the rest. And so I would have just counseled the young Devon that, man, you're going to be fine. Things are going to be amazing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Stay on the path, breathe a little bit more, trust a little bit more, and you're going to get exactly where uh, he wants you to be. Wow. So, so good. So, Devon, you've written a couple of books. You've got Produced by Faith, uh, which is just an incredible book about your story. And then you've got The Weight. And this is the story of how, in Hollywood, you and your lovely wife, the lovely Megan Good, have, uh, you abstained from sex until you got married. In Hollywood, no less. That is true. That is true. That is true. You know, we wanted to really do it, uh, you know, God's way and uh, the benefit that that has made in our lives and our marriage and our careers is just unbelievable. I mean, God really does honor a sacrifice. And so we wrote the book, The Weight, uh, all about how, you know, the value of waiting will really help anyone in their life. And, uh, you know, this area of dating and relationships is so difficult that we just wanted to share, you know, our story and what we went through as a way to help people uh, in their lives. And the book has been uh, doing phenomenally well. It's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, we've sold over 100,000 copies. And, uh, you know, every, people all over the world are finding the book, and it's changing their lives. So we're very, very grateful. That's amazing. That is amazing. And you've got a third book coming out, which you've kind of teased out a couple times in the interview here. Um, and go ahead and give us a plug for that book as well and when, when that'll hit the bookshelves. Yeah, that book... Yeah, that book, uh, we're looking for that book to come out in the fall of next year. It's called The Hollywood Commandments, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success. Uh, basically, it's the 10 laws of success they won't teach you in the church. Wow. Man, that's so good. Um, and these are available, as far as I know, pretty well anywhere books are sold. I know I picked oh, yeah. up my copy oh, yeah. on Amazon. Um, and so, uh, folks, make sure to go pick up these Amazon books. Amazon and Barnes & Noble, yeah. There you go, folks. Make sure to go pick up these books. And Devon, uh, you're, you're actually doing quite a bit of traveling and speaking, uh, even in churches these days. 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm traveling all around the country, uh, speaking in you know churches all around the country. I just got back from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Sanford, North Carolina, and I, I got an event speaking in uh, New Jersey on uh, Christmas Eve. So God is just opening up so many doors to preach the word, uh, to speak at conferences, and uh, to really help get this message out there that uh, not only is He alive, but how to apply what he has taught us in the Word, to live the life he's called us to live. So awesome. So, Devon, if folks want to get in touch with you, uh, maybe to book you, or uh, just to find out more, what's the best avenue to go about doing that? Sure. Uh, go to my website, devonfranklin.com. You can also follow me on social media and find me on social media, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, all with the same hashtag, at Devon Franklin. I mean, not hashtag, but the same handle, at Devon Franklin. You got it, man. Well, we will link to all the books, all the videos, all the the stuff that we've talked about, as well as your website over at the show notes at creativesheep.org. Folks, you can check it out there. Devon, I cannot say thank you enough for coming on the show today. So, so good. Thank you, sir, for coming oh, and sharing welcome. with us. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Leadership Podcast, the first Leadership Podcast of 2017. Uh, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, here's what you can do. You can find us on social media. Uh, we are at creative underscore sheep. Um, that is uh, that's this Leadership Podcast brought to you by Creative Sheep. So creative underscore sheep. You can find us online. Um, you can Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Of course, you can always check us out too, Roman, at creativesheep.org, where all of our products, all of our pre-made products right now are free. Head over there and you can download anything you like in exchange for your email address. So go check that out. Once again, folks, thanks for joining us, and we will see you in a week. Farewell. Farewell.